0: I'm happy to be here uh, you know, after, I don't know, four or five months. I've been here, in, I think, in August. So it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back here, and I have my wife with me this time, Anna. Some of you have met her. <clears throat> and right now she's praying for me to be calm and to speak slowly. Because when I'm nervous, I tend to speak fast. And you're lucky I'm not speaking Romanian, because I'd be speaking a lot faster. <laughs> anyway, so uh, for those who have not... Um, met me uh, a few months ago. My name is Adrian, but nobody calls me that, um, I think. Uh, so I'll go by Adi. it's simple, ADI, not a car. Um, I'm 47 years old, I'm married to that lady, one of those ladies, I mean, that one over there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be precise, you know, sniper. Um, I have two children, um, I think their pictures could be on the screen if, um, uh, yep, that's my son Mate and my daughter Emma. They're uh, right now probably sleeping after spending the night with uh, with friends. We just made it barely through 12.05 and we went straight to bed, so. Um, anyway, so just a bit about myself. Um, like I said, I'm 47, married, uh, been married 20 years this August. I mean, we'll be 20 years uh, this coming August, so every year has been a better than the previous one. So I'm, I can truly say we're happily, happily married. I come from Romania. Um, I've been here uh, less than two years. It'll be twer- two years in, uh, in, on the 29th of this month. Um, grew up there uh, in a, what you would call a blue collar family. My dad was an electrician. My mom was a factory worker. And if you bought any sweaters in, during the 80s, my mom actually worked uh, in a factory that produced lots and lots of sweaters for Canada. So you might have actually worn sweaters my mom has, has, has had touched back in uh, back in the eighties. I had for sure uh, benefit of, of some of those weathers myself. Um, I served in the military um, back in the um eighty nine, nineteen I actually got drafted in eighty eight and I got released in uh oh, nineteen ninety. So I had for sixteen months my gun pointed westward. I mean towards the west. Uh, I think there's a picture of me in the in the military. Uh, if you can guess, yep, yeah, that's that's me over there. Twenty uh, some years ago, when probably about 40 pounds or more, less. <laughs> anyway, um, if you uh, my, my accent is probably not the best. I try to speak as clearly as possible, but I do come from the land of Dracula, so sometimes I do sound like like Count Dracula from the movie if you've seen the movie. And actually, I've seen one of his castles. I think one of the um, yep, I've been. This is one of the real. Dracula castles, not the one that Bram Stoker said it was, this was one of the real ones built by him, by himself. actually not by himself, he had princes built this, you know, under the threat of death. But anyway, it was built, and I was there, and I've actually been a few other castles of his. But, uh, so if, just bear with me with my accent, I hope it's not too thick, because uh, again, when I'm nervous it gets uh, thicker, but I'm not nervous, I'm calm, I'm okay. Anyway, let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you that we can be here and open your word and just hear your voice speak to us and teach us and uh, guide us and encourage us to live a life that's worthy of our call. I just pray that um, we leave this place filled with uh, with a new hope that through the strength of Christ we can live a life that's truly pleasing to you this year. Amen. Okay, so it's January 1st. As you probably have gotten the, the memo, it's uh, a new year, uh, J- uh, 2017. And in many ways, we're looking at uh, the future with probably more intensity today or these days just because it's, uh, you know, the first day of the year. probably have New Year's resolutions fresh in your mind and a new hope of maybe this time we'll make it, we'll made it. I mean, I've got a few of those and gonna, she's going to get me to it. And one of them is, uh, what, exercising half an hour every day? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I promise I will try, you know, I'll give it a try this year. Uh, and in many, in many ways, we're—it um, feels like we're stepping into like in, into 2017, as in um, as the Israelites stepped into the Promised Land, you know, many many years ago, with lots of hopes and lots of promises and lots of expectations. But uh, if we're uh, honest, maybe there's a bit of a little bit of fear also as we look of, uh, to the future because it's the unknown. We're stepping into the unknown, and that usually scares us you know there are things that are beyond our control and that for guys at least that's kind of scary when we cannot control everything uh we know our shortcomings and we know it's not everything is changed into the new year we're the same guys as we went to bed last night you know it's not many things have changed and that sometimes is scary you know and this reminds me of the probably the most often repeated commandment in the bible which is fear not you know it's God knows our heart and he knows we need to re- be reminded often that we should we should, and we ought not fear because he is with us. But anyway, I like movies. I like movies where the hero usually is the one saving the world against impossible odds. That's my type of movies. And my wife bears with me many times as I bear with her movies sometimes. <laughs> um, I like movies like uh, Saving Private Ryan or Band of Brothers or, you know, the best Christmas movie, Die Hard. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I actually did watch It's a Wonderful Life many, many Christmases. So anyway, in Band of Brothers, uh, there's a character, um, Private uh, Blythe, PFC Albert Blythe. At one time, after a fierce battle in the province of Karentan, uh he suffered something they called hysterical blindness. This guy was not a coward. I mean, he served as, uh, he ended up actually as a, a master sergeant in the U.S. Army. He died in 67. So um, He was definitely not a guy who was a coward, but at that time he was. It seems um, like fear paralyzed him. You know, fear prevented him to to act. And for some reason, I always uh, have empathy for for Private Blythe because I know fear is real. You know, when you look into the future or present or whatever, fear sometimes is so real that we know has a strange effect on our minds, and sometimes it can even blind us. You know, when we got, get scared or, or, you know, just, you're fearful of, of, of something in our lives. Which brings me to a question from a book I read many years ago. Uh, it's a small book, um, two hours, maybe not even that um, worth of reading. It's called Who Moved My Cheese. And the question in this book is called, uh, it, it stayed with me for many years, is this. What would you do if you were not afraid? The question stayed with me because I realized that fear sometimes more than anything else dictates my choices and my actions. And it's a very, you know, very interesting question, uh, especially now at the beginning of the year, to ask ourselves, what would we do if we were not afraid? So keep this in mind as we move into our text for today, which is Numbers 13 and 14, probably Hopefully, passages that uh, you have read before and are uh, familiar with you. I have this Bible here, but it's only for a show because actually I have printed the text. I have the text here. It looks good, you know, to have the Bible on the pulpit. <laughs> Sorry. My wife said I should joke less. I'll try to. Okay. So just as a background, um, give you a, a bit of the background of the story um, before uh, we get to this point. Um, it's all about the promise and the call. There's always a promise, there's always a call. And in this case, it began with Abraham uh, when God spoke to him back in Genesis 12 and told him that he will make him a great nation, he will give him a land, and he will bless him. The three main parts of the Abrahamic covenant. So God said, you will be a nation, you will have a land, a specific land, and you will be blessed there. So we follow his life and we follow the life of his uh, descendants. And we cannot raise a brow when, in Genesis 50, we see Joseph and company ending up in Egypt. I mean, they were supposed to go to the promised land, and here they are, all of them, brothers and wives and kids and 70 people all together ending up in Egypt, and you why Egypt? They should not be there, they should be in the promised land. So the rest of the, uh, of the story of Moses is actually about his mission to bring God's people from Egypt to the promised land, the the land that God has actually said it will be yours. That's the whole of rest of uh, Exodus through, uh, if you want, Joshua. Anyway, so this is the background. God said you will have a land and you'll be blessed there, become a nation um, there. And um, they finally get to the border. You know, Moses got them out of Egypt. You know, he sang to the Pharaoh, let it go. No, let my people go. Uh, and Pharaoh uh, finally let them go. They went through the uh, wilderness, and they got to the border. And uh, this is where some things got complicated. So they got there. You know, yay, we arrived. And the Lord said to Moses, and uh, this is uh, chapter 13, verse 1, send, and verse 2 and on, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, uh, which I am giving to the Israelites. For each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So as the Lord commanded, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all, the, all of them were leaders of the Israelites. So God said, you're here, you're at the border, now go and check out the land, which is very wise, you know, for, uh, but we know that's going to be a war. You have to get that land by war. It was wise to get some intelligence from the land. So they sent 12 people, not just any people, 12 leaders from each and every tribe. So they got them, they sent them. And they spent 40 days spying on the land. They went you know, left and right, back and forth, and saw what the land had. And um, they came back with their own versions, with two versions, uh, two reports. They looked at the same facts, because I guess they were together. They, they saw the land. And when they came back, they had two different reports. Caleb, one of the leaders, um, Caleb, son of Jephune, Jefune, Jefune, uh, from the tribe of Judah, uh, he said, it's gonna be hard. It's challenging, but we can do it. That's um, Numbers uh thirteen thirty. Caleb silenced the people before Moses said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You know, so he had confidence despite the challenges that what God said it's gonna be theirs, it will be theirs. But they had a second version, the other ten had a different perspective. They looked at the same facts, the same reports. But they said, uh, nope, it's not possible, it's too bad out there, we are not going. You know, in a way they kind of exaggerated everything to find an excuse to not obey God. It says here in verses uh, 32 and on in chapter 13, the land we explored devours those living in it. That's the first major exaggeration. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the sense of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers, grasshoppers in, their, in our eyes, and we looked the same to them. Same facts, went together 40 days. They came back with whole different uh, aspects, different, different reports about what they saw there. One was guided by faith. And trust in God, which is Caleb and Joshua, the other 10 were guided by their own fears and who knows what else, but they simply were too afraid to do what God has asked them to do. And fear, like I said in the beginning, has funny effects on our mind. It kind of changes the way we think and see stuff around. For example, one of the results of fear is that fear distorts your perception of reality. I mean, they both looked at the same fact, uh, um, the same uh, information. But two said, "Yeah, it's hard, but it's doable." Ten said, "It's too hard. The land devours those who live in it. We seem like grasshoppers in their eyes." I mean, I cannot—I have no idea how tall those guys were, but come on, grasshoppers—that's really an exaggeration. But like I said, fear distorts your perception of reality. Fear makes you see things that are not there and uh, basically just make you inactive. Like Private Blythe in, in Band of Brothers' third episode, fear just stopped him from doing anything. He just tied his hands and he couldn't do nothing for um, to fulfill his mission. The same with uh, with uh, the Jews here. Two, fear affects your memory. You know, because when they heard all these reports about fear, um, they said this, verses uh, 2 to 4 in chapter 14. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we, we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness, in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt and that's where the memory is really askew. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Just a refresher, how was their life back in Egypt before they left? You know, their children were killed, their babies were thrown in the rivers, they were put to hard, uh, hard work, hard labor. Um, their life was not fun there. The Pharaoh wanted to exterminate them, to destroy them. And they want to go back to that. They said, um, it's not here, but somewhere, uh, someone's numbers. I actually, it's, I forgot the exact word. I think it's numbers. They said, we want to go back to, to what we had there with cucumbers and, and good water and Pepsi and pizza and all that. We want to go back to that. And they forgot everything they suffered there because fear affects your memory. And if you want another uh, really Harsh reminder about what fear does, uh, or actually what forgetting means for for them. Just read Judges chapter 2, verses, I think it's 2, no, verses 10 to 12. It says, A new generation was raised in Israel, a generation that did not, that forgot what God has done, no, forgot who God is and what he He has done for Israel. So they forgot who God was and what He has done for Israel. And as a result, it says in Judges, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. That was a consequence of forgetting who God is. And this place, uh, in Numbers, fear affected their memory. They simply forgot who God is and what God has done for them so far. And actually, God, later on, will take this very much to heart and say, this is, okay, how long will these people treat me with contempt How long will they refuse to believe me in spite of all the signs I have performed amongst them? That's verses uh, 10 and 11 in chapter 14. God did not like that they actually forgot what he has done for them. So fear affects the way, or fear distorts your perception of reality. Fear affects your memory too. And also fear leads to sin, or if you want, more sin. Because as soon as they let fear come into their hearts and dictate their actions and choices, uh, you can see unbelief, and then immediately you can see uh, disobedience, or if you want, rebellion. Caleb calls it rebellion. I'm not sure. I think it's verse 9. It says, only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land. You know, call, uh, Caleb calls that rebellion. When fear leads to unbelief and disobedience, it's basically rebellion against the Lord. So, fear, if I can use the um, biblical words, fear begets sin. You know, God says you can be contempt. And, you know, as any, ad, any other sin, I remember I was sitting, actually, you know, this is my third time here, not my second time. I was here in 2011 in June with um, Pastor Lou Warad, if you know, some of you know him, in that room over there teaching, um, he was teaching on I me mean, uh, something from the Old Testament. And Lou, Pastor Lou has taught me this from the Old Testament. Sin has consequences. It's something that the Jews had to learn one, I mean, again and again because they kept forgetting that sin has consequences. It's something that, you know, uh, driving here, uh, my wife and I were listening to uh, Rabbi Zacharias um, on some radio station and, um, he spoke the same. You know, sometimes we forget how bad, how evil sin is. And we forget that sin has consequences, you know, because God says, you gave me two options. Either go back to Egypt or die here. You know, we want to either go back or die here. That's verse 2 and 3 in chapter 14. And God says, you ain't going back. Egypt will not see you again. You know, you're not going back there because that's, I, I said, you will not be back there. So we go to second you know, choice, open second door, which is you will all die here. You know, that was their consequence because Egypt was not an option. And dying actually starts right away. It didn't start in, you know, months or whatever. On that, in that, on that spot, right then, death entered the camp when the ten spies who brought the bad report, who brought fear and rebellion to the nation, they got hit by plague and they died right then and there. Even more, they, uh, the whole nation tried actually, now seeing that actually God got, got upset with them, they, uh, said, okay, now we will obey. We will go out against them and we'll try to fight them. And Moses said, don't go. Because God said, you will be here for the next 40 years, one year for each day they spied, and you will die here. Everyone who's 20 year, years and older will die. You know? Just as a, you know, fun factor, you know, how who many, who is 20 or, 20 or older? Okay? Who is not 20? Who is under 20? You know? Only those will actually be alive, God said. You know, those who are 20 older will all die here. They said, oh, let's get away from our consequence, for this consequence. Let's go where God said initially. And God said, nope, I'm not going with you. So they tried, they went up against the nation. Uh, where is that at the end of the chapter? I should number these pages. Uh, you know, Moses said in verse 41, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because they have turned away from the Lord, He will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. And that's what happened. They tried to evade, uh, consequences, but God said, no, you've disobeyed me, you will suffer the consequences. So, just as a summary, fear Sometimes has bad effects on us, as it had on them. You know, it's, it affected the way they saw reality. They let fear dictate what reality looks like. Also, they forgot who God is because fear affected the memory, and also fear led to more sin, led to unbelief, and led to disobedience or rebellion. But that was not the end of the story, because in the midst of all this uh, sad story, there actually it's a, it's a verse about a guy, this guy named Caleb. But God has actually quite an amazing word to say about him. Verse 24 it says, but because, because of 24th of the 14th chapter, because of my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to. So God looks at the nation and says, this guy, Caleb, he has a whole different spirit and I will fulfill my promise to him. You know what's Caleb's story? If you know, if you know just about um, just about him from this moment to um, I think we last see him in, in um, Joshua fourteen, um, his uh, his story is a story of obedience, a story of faithfulness to the long haul, a story of like if you want facing your giants because you know, even if he was he was eighty five year old he was he fought seven years of wars. And at the end of those seven years of wars, at 85, he goes to Joshua and says, give me the heart challenge. Give me the land where there is mountains and there is uh, people that are enemies destroying us. Because if God is with me, I will still win the war. So Caleb was a guy who stuck to it. He had a different spirit because he let, for the first thing, he let God dictate what reality looks like. You know, his perception of reality was defined by God, not by his fears. If God said it was possible, then Caleb said, yeah, it's possible. If 10 said, no, it's not possible, and we'll stone you because you say it's possible, still said, no, we can do it. Because he remembered, that second thing, he remembered who God was and what he did for Israel. He never forgot that he's got the Almighty on his side. He never forgot that if God wills it, no one can stand against him. So if God said, this is your land, Go ahead, because I will give you victory. Caleb said, it doesn't matter who's ahead of us. God will give us the victory. So he let God define reality. He did not forget who God is and what God has promised him. And then the third thing, he chose to obey. Even if he was looking at the same facts as the other 10, even if the facts were probably scary, you know, facing a war, facing giants, facing, you know, fortified cities and all that, It was not, oh, let's go to war. War is fun. War is never fun. You know, if any of you guys served, you know, war is is not fun. But Caleb said, if God is with us, we can do it. So he chose to obey. Sometimes when we get scared, we get fear in our hearts, we find ways to justify disobedience. You know, if we're smart, we can actually find the Bible verses that can justify our disobedience and be smart about it. But in the end, it's about obedience, about doing what God said you should do. And Caleb said, I will obey. I will not disobey my God, even though the facts may be scary. Now, let's make it a bit personal. What would you do if you were not afraid? And the question is tricky because we all have some amount of fear in our hearts, unless you have the very rare urban Vita disease, the one that affects your amygdala, uh, which stops all the symptoms of fear in our heart, and that's a disease actually. So fear should be in our hearts because what God calls us to is usually above and beyond our powers, and it stretches us. And it it should be scary. If you say it's nothing, what God has called me, to me, what God has called me to, it's pff, nothing. I can do it. That means you trust too much in yourself, and you're not looking at God enough. You know. But going back to the Jews here, fear plus unbelief led to rebellion, disobedience, despair, and defeat. In Caleb's case, although he might have some, you know, a little bit of fear in his heart, he was a sane, normal guy, he had fear, but he had faith. He had trust in God's promises, which led him to have courage and obedience, and if you want, hope. He could look at the future with hope, despite the facts that may have been scary, you know, Caleb never denied the bad reports. He never said, "Oh no, those guys are small. You know, we'll, you know, they're they're easy to beat. You know, just small, tiny guys will just bully them out of the land." No, Caleb said, "Yeah, the facts are true, but if God is with us, we will eat them. Depending on translation, we will devour them. We will eat them. If you want, they'll be our breakfast special. You know, three eggs and bacon and." That was Caleb looking at the facts, saying, I choose not to let fear dictate what I see. I choose to let God dictate what I see. And I see victory because of God. You know, just to bring it uh, more to us, Christ. And Paul says in Romans, through Christ, we are more than conquerors. And uh, Caleb lived that verse many years before uh, actually those words were written. So these are the lessons for us from this man, Caleb, who had a different spirit than the other people in the crowd, if you want. Let God, not fear, define your reality. And always remember who he is. Remember what he has promised to you, and never forget his call for your life. Sometimes it it gets hard. You know, this is probably personal. Um, If you've been in ministry many years, you know, uh, or if you've been in like anything that works with people, teaching, um, insurance, I don't know, customer service, uh, you name it. Sometimes it's hard to work with people. <laughs> because as guys, we expect you know, results, instant results, very you know, quick results and you know, long lasting results. And with people, it's not the same. You know, you work with a guy for 20 years and he may not even change in 20 years. And sometimes you get discouraged. You know, you get maybe three words of encouragement, or let's see, you get 30 words of encouragement and then get two people who com- complain and grumble. And those two people are weighing heavier on you than any- anything else. And you start doubt, doubting yourself, doubting God's call, doubting that you can actually achieve what God said it's possible. And you start to fear, you know, and then you get paralyzed and you forget and it all just tumbles down. So just remember who God is. Remember his promises. Remember his call. Because if there's a call, there's always a promise. If God says go, he'll say also, I will be with you. If God says, trust me, you know, like Peter, trust him to step outside the boat. God knew it was possible for him to walk on the waters. Peter's one that feared, look at the waters and the waves and all that, and he feared and he sunk. And I want, this, I want myself, you know, I am seeing myself, this year, 2017, is, in a way, scary for, for us as a family. It's our second year in Canada, and, uh, actually we enter, we'll enter our third year, at least I will, in a few days. And, um future is still scary a bit, you know, and I have to choose every day to trust God and let fear not control my heart, but God and His promises. It's, it's for us a daily walk, you <laughs> know, in, in a way. You know, to, uh, choose Him, sorry, to choose to obey Him, even if it's scary sometimes. But anyway, the promised land of 2017. Remember, there's always a promise. There's always something great in God that God has in store for us. And sometimes the point may a bit scary too. But where God has called us, he's always with us too. What is your promised land for 2017? Maybe a new job, maybe the same job. <laughs> a new family, maybe a new child. Maybe a call to change something or a call to persevere into something or a call to commit to something. What is God's plan for your life this year? Because it matters less what our New Year's resolutions are and it matters more what God has in store for us this year. As in James 4.15 says, We ought to say, if it, is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. Usually God's plan is stretching us, stretching us in our faith, It's calling us to a deep dependence on Him. And that's a question, that is where the question becomes again relevant. What would you do if you're not afraid? Or more correctly, what would happen if you put your faith in God despite your fears and step out in courage and obedience and do what God has called you to do? We have this promised land of a new year ahead of us, 2017, with a land of challenges, and fulfillment, and joy, and hope, and courage, and growth. Let's go there together with God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us to faithfulness in you, despite everything that the world throws at us. You called us to walk with you, and you said you will be with us until the end of time, the end of days. And we trust your promise, Lord. You told us that in the world, we will have tribulations, but we should be of good cheer because you have have overcome the world. And Lord, as I look at the next year with all the challenges and the the promises and the joys and the the fears, I choose to obey you. I choose to let you be my God and be the one who guides my steps and guides and lights my path. I choose to never forget what you have done for me in the years, the year that has just passed and in the last, the other 46 years, I choose to rem- remember your faithfulness and your mighty works in my life and therefore not let fear control my heart, but let you, Lord, control it. And I choose to define, to let you define my future, not my fears, but you, Lord. Even if my eyes see scary things, even if my heart is sometimes trembling, I choose to let you define my future and if you say it's possible i fully trust you and i step out in faith because lord i do i do want the same spirit the same different spirit that caleb had one that chose to remember remember and obey the god who loves us cares for us guides us and has our life in his hands amen, amen.